from the Diocese of Gallup. Welcome to Crozier Cast. I'm Suzanne Hammonds, Director of Communications, and with me is your host, Bishop James Wall. Bishop Wall, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Suzanne? Excellent. So, as we move into the beginning of Lent, um, you have chosen, you have a really interesting topic for us today, which is the seven virtues. Yeah, I want to talk about vice and virtues, but, but, but predominantly about virtues, because you know, during the Lenten season, one of the things that we do is we try to work on um, eradicating sin in our lives and trying to foster virtue in our lives. And we do that through, through uh, prayer and fasting and almsgiving because we don't just simply do them to do them, but we do them with an intention. And ultimately, the intention is to become more Christ-like. That's what we want to do whenever we, we do anything because... We call ourselves disciples of Christ, and to be a disciple of Christ means that we learn from Christ. And so the greatest way that we learn from Christ is by imitating his actions. There's the, the great classic book, uh, Imitation of Christ, which I highly recommend to anyone. And uh, through that reading, we can come to reflect upon our Lord's life, and we can try to imitate, imitate his life. There's one of the great scripture quotes, it's one of my favorites, Matthew 16, where Jesus says that, if anyone wishes to be my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after me. So, you know, how does our Lord uh, save us? He saves us by suffering and dying upon the cross. And so we take up our cross like our Lord took up his cross. We learn from him. He's the master. He's the teacher. And we are his disciples. And so a disciple means to, you know, to learn from someone. And so what do we do? We imitate Christ. And so really that's ultimately what... This season is all about. And another reason was we, as we said, I think we said on our last podcast, Jesus went out into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights to fast and pray. And so we take the 40 days and 40 nights of Lent, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and imitation of Christ. Awesome. So you have, uh, we have here some information. This is actually kind of interesting to me because we hear so often, I think everybody, whether they're Catholic or not, or even religious or not, has heard about the seven deadly sins. Sure. Um, but we don't hear very often about the seven opposite virtues. So um, could you give us a rundown? What are these exactly? Sure. So, you know, we obviously we don't want to foster vice in our life. That's not good. We want to foster virtue in our life. And if we look at virtues, virtues are special graces given by God to the soul for the accomplishment of particular objectives. And ultimately our objective is to be more Christ-like. But when we look at the seven deadly sins, there's always a, a corresponding, um, so we could say, you know, seven deadly vices, but there's always a corresponding virtue to it. And so if we kind of go, go down uh, the list, we look at humility, and, and that's, that's uh, the opposite of that would be pride. Obviously, pride's the vice. And uh, kindness against envy, and abstinence against gluttony, and chastity against lust, and patience against anger, a liberality against greed, and diligence against sloth. And so, you know, we'll, we'll put these in our, our uh, show notes because I'm kind of rambling on loss <laughs> so fast. So those, those are the things that we really want to work on to foster, um, foster those things in our life. So if we, we look at their, what we refer to as uh, seven virtues, the first are theological, those are given to us, infused by God. And then the next are what they call the cardinal uh, virtues. And these are what they, we might refer to as the natural virtues. And so... We look at um, something we pray for to grow in the theological virtues every time we pray in the rosary, and that's faith, hope, 
and charity. So if we look at the very first one, faith, you know, ultimately is the belief in the right things, right? So including the belief in virtues, right? That's, that's uh, you know, so the belief in the right things. And ultimately, our belief or our faith is in God. So we look at faith and then we look at hope. And hope really is taking a positive future view uh, that good ultimately will prevail. And who's the ultimate good but God? And so hope also hopes for things which are unseen. And we always hope as being a good and faithful follower of Christ that by living out our life faithfully here on earth, we will be able to share our life with God in heaven for all eternity. And so, and then then charity. You know, charity ultimately is a concern for an active helping of others. Um, and St. Thomas gives a beautiful definition of charity or love, and it's, it's willing the good of the other. And we, we know about St. Paul, 1 Corinthians 12 into chapter 13. This is what everybody calls the, uh, the wedding reading. So many people choose this for, for weddings. And sometimes I talk to couples, and they'll say, well, we don't want to have that one because everybody uses it. And I'm like, it's so awesome, though. It really, it really does sum up what, uh, what, what they're called to in the sacrament. And that's when Paul talks about love is patient, love is kind, is not self-seeking, right? It's always other-seeking. And when he says, when everything passes away, what will remain is love. And if we think about uh, when we are in heaven, you know, it will be that perfect union, that perfect love with God. And because perfection ultimately is found in God. So uh, those are the three what we call theological. Those are infused by God. And then the next one, the, the cardinal virtues, would be the natural virtues. So if we look at uh, fortitude, and um, fortitude ultimately is never giving up, right? Fortitude, fortitude is never giving up. And, um, you know, we want to persevere. We want to kind of plow through things and to the best, to the best of our ability. And... Um, and, you know, if we, we think about the, the next one, which is justice. Um, justice is being fair and equitable for others. And one of, the, I think, one of the best definitions that I've ever heard of justice was given to us by our Pope Emeritus, Benedict XVI. And he said, justice is giving something uh, to others that is rightfully theirs. So if we, we look at it in a positive sense, we, we talk about things, what is a just wage? So somebody agrees to do a job, we agree on a certain amount to pay someone, they do the job, they do it well, and we pay them for that. And if they do it really well, they might even get a little bonus to it. And um, so we talk about giving the just wage, and we talk about that in our society all the time. Yeah. Because um, we'll talk about, is the minimum wage, is it just a particular minimum wage in a state? And so I think that's a lot of what goes on in states. We hear people talking about that all the time about whether they should raise the minimum wage or not. And I think that's always a good idea if they're able to because, you know, a lot of people it makes it very difficult just to live on the minimum wage and, and most people that do are, are living under the uh, level of poverty. And so it, that would be a positive. You have a just wage, you receive a just pay. A negative, we talk about like our justice system. Now, it can be positive or it can be negative, but a negative would be somebody commits a crime and somebody is tried, you know, always innocent until proven guilty. They're proven guilty. And then what happens is the judge passes on uh, a just sentence. 
So if somebody steals something, if somebody's running drugs, if somebody unfortunately murders somebody, you know, perhaps you get three years, perhaps you get 10 years, perhaps you get life, right? Life in prison. And we would say that that is a just sentence that the person receives. They're getting something that ultimately is theirs, rightfully theirs. So it's being fair and it's being equitable with others. And then um, we look at prudence. And prudence is care of and moderation with money. And so, um, you know, we want to be good stewards of the things that are entrusted to our care. But prudence is also, you know, doing the right thing or saying the right thing. I think that's one of the things that uh, when we talk about prudent, you know, be, being prudent in speech. Uh, the letter of St. James talks about uh, the gift of speech and how um, speech, uh, the gift of the tongue, you know, it can be used to praise God and, and build people's up, people up, but it can also be used to curse and tear people down. Um, I think he even says that the tongue can be a vile member, right? But if we want to we um, be prudent in our speech. It means saying the right thing at the right time to the right person. And so we always want to be cautious of that. It's, I think in our world of social media, I think that people aren't very prudent at times. You know, they, they may write something or they might reply to something and they might click without even thinking about it. Is this the right thing at the right time to the right person? And really, ultimately, what is that, that virtue that I talked about a little earlier, that, that uh, theological virtue? Is it charitable too? Is it really willing the good of the other? So care of and moderation of money. And then temperance. You know, temperance is moderation of needed things and abstinence from things which are not needed. And so, um, you know, looking at something like the opposite of that, it's probably easy to see would be gluttony. Um, a lot of people think about uh, gluttony automatically with food, and you can be gluttonous with food, but you can be uh, gluttonous with other things as too. Think about like uh, material wealth. You can be very gluttonous, you know, getting all you can, keeping all to yourself, not being charitable, not sharing your gifts. Um, so that's, you know, when we look at gluttony, that's one of the ways that we, we look at. So moderation, I think we always hear the phrase, you know, all things in moderation. So that would kind of be the, the opposite of that. So I've talked for quite some time. <laughs> so what, what, do you, what, else, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I was, I was looking, I think everybody's probably going to hear that list and think something that's going to immediately stick out to them is something that they could, uh, you know, use a little work on. Like for me, it would probably be prudence for sure. Because um, it's so easy to sort of uh, do act without thinking or just let yourself go instead of um, whether it is like it, like it mentions here, you know, money or whether you mentioned with words. So that that can be tough sometimes, especially because we get that, as you said, that immediate. Um, it's almost like an addiction to the pleasure that comes with if we say something bad about someone to someone else, like a gossip sure. makes us feel good. You know, if we spend money on something we don't need. Oh, uh, too much. It makes us feel good temporarily, but in the long run, you know. It's all fleeting. Yeah. yeah. It so, might be pleasurable initially, but it, <laughs> it's all passing. It's all fleeting. Um, one of the, you know, the virtues that we talked about, and when we compare, you know, compare and contrast with, you know, one would be patience against anger. And um, one of the things that I've, I've seen is that if we're not patient with someone, there's no room for charity. So if we're not patient, what happens is anger, you know, anger um, comes into play. And, um, and so, 
you know, if we're not patient, then there's room, no room for uh, being charitable. So you think about maybe in a family, a family setting, a husband and a wife. And if they're really not patient with one another, they're not going to be loving toward one another. And what's one of the things that they promise on the day of their wedding? Uh, they, promise, they promise to love them all the days of their life, good times, bad times, rich or poor, all those things. And so they will, um, if they're not um, being patient with one another, then they're not going to be very, very uh, loving toward one another as well. Um, so I think that's that's something that's that's pretty pretty important uh, to us to practice that virtue of patience. A lot of times people will say, um, and this is what I've heard a lot too, sitting in a confession when people they'll talk about patience, they'll talk about patience while they're driving, you know how they become very impatient oh, with yeah. others. And I think, you know, as Americans, we're pretty aggressive in how we're driving, and we can be angry when we drive, too. And so what's the opposite? You know, patience, the opposite is, of that is anger. And so um, I think, in, and that's, that's just a, that's a road that leads to nowhere except disaster. And so I think one of the things we want to be is patient. How can we, how can we be patient? Um, raise our hearts and our minds to God. Lord, help me to be patient. And that's something that we can do. Um, you know, pray a quick Hail Mary, pray in our Father, pray for the intention of the person that we're being impatient with. And because um, when we pray for others, it also works on our own hearts. Uh, I, I think, so, you know, um, Catholics will be familiar with this, non-Catholics. If you go, when you go to confession, you know, you're given a penance. I think the worst slash, what I, what I mean by that is the best penance that I ever got because it was just like, it was a punch in the gut was I was told, Every time you have a feeling of anger or impatience like that with somebody, you need to immediately uh, try to stop and say a prayer for them and genuinely wish them the best. And think about yeah. someone that you, you dis- like maybe you, you really dislike them or they frustrate you. It was like a punch in the gut to say, no, don't indulge your anger. Turn around. Genuinely take a minute to hope to wish them true happiness and love. Sure, you know? sure. And it's, uh, it was kind of beautiful in its simplicity, but also it was super difficult, you know. It's, it's something I've always remembered. I had a, a, we had a retreat director recently, the bishops in Region uh, 13, and we were on retreat following Christmas. And one of the things that he said was, and he was, he was, he was talking about this is how he overcomes vice uh, with virtue, is he said, usually he'll give into vice it's if he's having the conversation in his head by himself. But he says, if I invite the Lord into it, then what happens is his heart is transformed and he moves from vice to virtue. And so I think that's one of the habits. And if we, if we look at, if we look at um, virtues, we want to make sure that they're habitual and not vices are habitual. And um, I think that's one of the habits that we, we can learn to do is to invite the Lord always into that, you know, to, to ask him to help us to not be so angry, not um, try to judge someone. You know, we can judge their actions, but we can't judge someone. You know, the, the ultimate judge is God, because He's a just judge, and we're not, we're not very, very just. But to invite the Lord, so help me, Lord, help me to love this person. Help me to be patient with this person. Um, help me to be prudent with this person too. So, inviting the Lord into the conversation, whether that's, you know, out loud or or you know, a silent prayer within. I think that's. That's gonna help, and I, I found that be very, be very, very helpful. I think one of the, the virtues or the vices I struggle with most is patience. I think a lot of people do, and um, I can be a very impatient person. And when I'm impatient with others, you know what comes out is maybe I raise my voice or I change my tone, 
and it becomes one of anger, and it, it's not one of uh, of charity. You know, as, as Saint Paul says, and what does Saint Paul says? If I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, and uh, there's nothing more irritating than that. And, uh, most of all, most of the times when we do that, people turn us off, or they just they, they match our anger with with the, you know with anger from themselves, and so we're drawing them into sin too. Well, in your, your meditation on patience earlier ties in nicely to our previous episode. Um, you mentioned that there's a quote we had about how you have to have patience with yourself. We were specifically talking about making um, disciplines or giving something up for Lent. So it can it can be turned inward as well, not just with others, but with ourselves. Sure. When we look at our the things that we do, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, then we have to be patient with ourselves and how we do that. Now, we don't just simply say, well, you know, I've got to be patient and throw caution to the wind and give in to whatever I, I said I was going to uh, give up or the things that I was going to do. Um, but we want to be patient with ourselves. And uh, it means kind of be easy with ourselves, handle ourselves with kid gloves. And say, this is something that I'm going to start slowly on and work on. And because they say, you know, it takes two to three weeks to build up a habit. And thank God we have more than two to three weeks in Lent. But it, it takes about two to three weeks to build up a habit, especially if we're dealing with a vice that has become habitual in our life and it's habitual for a long, long time. Um, you know, people you know, talk about dealing with lust. And, um, and so we want, to, <coughs> we want to overcome that. You know, we want to overcome that by, um, by uh, trying to foster chastity in our life according to our state in life. And so we might be good for a while and we might fall. If we fall, get to confession, uh, receive the grace of the sacrament to help you, to strengthen you, to live a chaste life. And, um, and then, you know, we might find over a period of time that we're able to overcome that. And uh, again, and like, like I just said, we always want to rely upon the grace of the sacraments that God gives us to, um, you know, they're gifts to us. They, they allow us to live our lives as he intends. And they, they strengthen us too, and they help us to uh, foster foster those those virtues in our life. Yeah. Now I noticed that uh, earlier we mentioned the, the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. Um, and so why is love identified as the greatest of those? I mean, you might think someone you're just thinking on it might might uh, their instinct might be that faith is the largest one because the the Catholic faith is one of the greatest sure. gifts in our lives. So why why did they identify love specifically as the greatest? Well, love is the greatest because if we think about, you know, what is the greatest commandment when that is placed before our Lord? And he says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, right? Your entire being. When we speak about the heart, we're talking about the totality of the person. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we love our neighbor, but it's also implied that we have a good, healthy a love for ourselves too. So our Lord is the one that tells us what the greatest commandments of, of all are. And those are the ones that love God, love our neighbor as ourself. And so that's, that's why that would be. And then also as St. Paul says, you know, uh, love's eternal, love doesn't pass away. And what, how do we identify God? Uh, First John, I think, identify God uh, is love. God is love. Hmm. So that's why it's the most important of all of them. Yeah. That's really it's interesting. Yeah, it's a good, really good take on it. Um, so I also wanted to touch on a little bit. Some, sometimes we talk about, especially if we're talking about almsgiving in Lent, this th something like 
the uh, the works of mercy will follow from it. So do you think there are other habits that we can build from any of these, um, specifically during Lent? Do you have any good recommendations? Sure. I think uh, one of the things that we, we can uh, build on is uh, generosity, being generous with others. Um, and I think that's something that, that we can do. That's a good virtue uh, to foster in one's life. And, you know, the opposite of that would be, you know, gluttony. And so we, we don't want to be um, gluttonous. We, we want to be uh, generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure. That's what a, that's what a good steward is, is somebody who's generous with his time, talent, uh, or treasure, the three T's. And so I think generosity would be one that we're able to do. So think about ourselves. Again, let's go back to uh, a married couple being generous with their time with one another, looking for opportunities, whether big or small, uh, to be uh, generous toward the other. Perhaps if I'm a wife, uh, which I'm not, and, I'm, uh, and I make dinner every night, and uh, maybe a husband can be generous by you know, going out of his way and giving his wife the night off, and uh, perhaps making a meal. Now, perhaps if he's not a very good cook, it might not be very generous. So he might, might have to order out that night or, you know, take his wife out to dinner, take the family out to dinner. That's a way of being generous. Um, or if, um, you know, the, the, uh, the wife sees something that the husband does all the time, something that she can do as well. She might go out of her way um, to do that, to make sure it's done, whatever, whatever that might be. So you can be generous. And then what that does, too, that has essentially a trickle-down effect. Because when children see their parents being generous toward one another and toward the children as well, then they learn to be generous. They learn not to be selfish. They learn not to be gluttonous with their things, their time, their talent, their treasure. So I think uh, generosity is a, a very, very good one uh, to work on. Um, and then the other is... Um, uh, St. Bernard of Clairvaux said this, this is one of my favorite quotes when he was asked what's the three most important virtues and he said humility, humility, and humility. And um, you know it's really the foundation for everything because um, the opposite of that is pride which is the root of all sin. And so if we can really try to foster humility and humility is a correct understanding of who we are in relationship to God and with one another. So if we're prideful then we don't have a good understanding of who we are in relationship to God, relying upon Him in all things, or who we are in relationship to, to others. You know, we might have a, a superiority complex uh, over others. And so humility is that right understanding of who we are in relationship to God and with one another. And then, um, great little quote, I think this is C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis says, humility is not thinking less of oneself, but it's thinking of oneself less. I love that little quote. <laughs> and um, it's one that a lot of people pick up and use over and over and over. And rightfully so, because it's one of those things that we can take to prayer. It's one of those things we can think of right away when perhaps we're being prideful. And so uh, I think that's a, that's a good, very, very good virtue uh, to work on, especially during the season of Lent. Yeah. And uh, just a little teaser for one of our upcoming eventual episodes. I think that's a theme with um, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings too. Is the the most the humblest of peoples is the one that can have the greatest impact against ultimate evil. You sure. Know? Uh, because evil doesn't take into account the humility. It's it only it's so full of its own you know importance and pride that it blinds it to virtue. Sure. Interesting. You know? Yeah, the, and especially the four hobbits. You yeah. know they 
Uh, they bumble through things every once in a while, but but ultimately they are very humble. They're these these small little creatures. They're not thought of very highly by others. Yeah. Um, but ultimately they're the ones that save the day, and and Frodo really is the one that saves the day. And and um, I think we've talked about this before. The real star of the show is Samwise. So, I was going to say he's the true hero. I mean, Frodo, of course, is, but the secret, I think, hero also. Is the best friend. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's he just really models. Uh, friendship in that friendship in that yeah all right um well as we kind of finish up here is there anything else that you would like us to keep in mind you know it's it, as i said the other you know be patient with yourself it takes a while to foster a virtue rely upon the grace of the sacraments so the eucharist the sacrament of penance rely upon the graces that you receive that gift from god in order to build you up and to to strengthen you and to um foster that virtue to allow it to become habitual, you know, a habit, allow it to become habitual. Um, there are good habits and bad habits, and we always want to be about good habits. Yeah, and man, if somebody's looking to to feel a little more humble as we move through Lent, go to confession is always a great a great way to do it. It know? is. So. It is. It really is. That's a great gift from the Lord. That I think one of the things that um, you know, it's it, it's to remove remove sin right in our lives. But it's also to allow us to grow in, in the virtue of humility, too, to go before someone, which we all have to do, go before someone and talk about things in our life, the sin in our life, which we're not proud of, and we shouldn't be proud of, uh, so that we can, uh, you know, receive the uh, absolution and that we can walk away as clean as we, we were on the day of baptism. Excellent. All right. Um, so keep these things in mind as we move through Lent. We'll link to all these in the show notes. You can find them right there. Um, it's a great guide for confession, too. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can find all of those links in our show notes. Thanks again for another episode, Bishop Wall. Thank you. God bless.